Hello, I'm Chris Slowly, the editor of Citywide Selector, and welcome to the Citywide Selector podcast. On this edition, I'm joined by Alessandro Costa, who many of you may know as one of the leading lights of Italian fund selection, having helped develop the multi-management efforts there. During our chat, we'll talk about that, how he set that up, where the industry is likely to go, and why he thinks people are slightly more afraid to speak out more so than they once were. Before that, however, I'm joined by Dr. Nisha Long, Head of Cross-Border Investment Research at Citywide. Nisha, thank you for joining us. Hi. Um, So the year has seen its fair share of ups and downs. Um, We started the year recovering from the sharp falls in markets from late December. And then we've had and still have the US-China trade wars dominated headlines. Now, during the summer months, this resulted in a bond rally as investors shunned risk assets. However, recently we've seen the S&P 500 closing at record highs at the beginning of this month. And despite a lot of political turmoil around the world, prices are drifting upwards as investors are started to focus on the positives. Uh, But there may be some complacency in the markets. And I say that because the VIX volatility index, um, which measures the expected swings in the S&P, is currently around the 12 mark, which is close to the lowest levels of the year. And this is well below the 30-year average, which is around 19. Now, investors in gold exchange traded funds were also selling off holdings at the beginning of the month as more positive global outlooks emerge. But investors are abandoning their bearish bets and piling into stocks as markets go up. But we have to remember that global growth is still fragile and an injection of protection is still needed in portfolios. We really don't want to see a rerun of the violent portfolio losses witnessed in the final quarter of last year. Now, investors were given a wake-up call at the beginning of the year that market reversals can be brutal and we don't want to end up there again. Thank you, Nisha. That nicely sets the scene of where we are. And then, as I said, we'll be talking in more detail on some of those topics with Alessandro Costa. This was done at a recent event we did on innovation. Because of the business of the event, it's done in a hallway. So if you hear some banging and crashing, that's people moving around us. But hopefully it doesn't spoil your experience. Thank you, Nisha. Thank you for listening. And um, remember to like, subscribe, download, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you. Hello, I'm joined by Alessandro Costa. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Chris. We're in, in a bit of side alley, so we might get people walking back and forth, but I'll try and talk over it. But thank you for joining us. So, have you done a podcast before? First podcast experience? I think so, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, like I said, so we've been doing a lot of work on 20 years in the industry, 20 years of fund selection, and your name kept coming up as somebody we should speak to, somebody who's had a big influence. And the questions we've talked about in the preview all look back on things that have happened over the last 10 years, 15 years, and also some about the future. So, I mean, looking back, in 2008, we profiled you about developments in multi-management. Multi-management was still a relatively new concept then. It was still, in Italy at least, do you think it was going through? Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, uh, a pioneering uh, activity at uh, those days. And uh, it was fantastic because, basically, uh, the, the activity was completely overlooked by the top management. And sometimes to build a business, you need to be away from the eyes from the top management. So you got the freedom to make uh, mistakes, to, to try things over. And that was uh, one of the key features of uh, those days. So what drew you to it then? Is it something that you spotted would be a, a good development? Had you seen it work in other markets and thought, why basically, are we doing this? Basically, basically they, they were looking for somebody to uh, create from scratch the multimodal business within one of the largest banks in, in Italy. Uh, but uh, they didn't uh, uh, put a lot of emphasis on it. 
So the, the, there was a big pressure from uh, the networks of IFAs to open up to the open architecture, but uh, they, they, said they, they really uh, didn't care about it at the time. And that was an ideal situation to build a business. Um, at the time, uh, I spent a few years uh, earlier in, in, in the UK, uh, in the Citibank, and there basically developed the way I developed it in, in Sao Paulo at the time, so meeting people, getting to know people, and essentially those days uh, the activity was people business. So get to know the people you want to give uh, and trust the money with. It was as simple as well, that. My colleague Angus Foote said that one of the, the, it seems obvious, but it was actually quite unique ways you approached it was going to the regional banks, explaining what you're trying to do. You travel and actually meet them and say, look, this is, this is the idea. How do you implement it? Can you explain a bit about that? Is that the way you approached it? It, 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 was, it was very simple. I thought that you know, whatever asset management company came to Italy to try to sell their products, they must have you know, at least one or two uh, excellencies. And so the idea of multi-manager I had at the time was to try to pick the best out of every company that uh, came to me. It was. <laughs> it seems, but it seems so simplistic. Why wasn't it being done until that point? Was it just something that people hadn't thought uh, of? Was uh, it too complicated to put together? Uh, I mean, we have to bear in mind that the, the asset management business in Italy has um, um, a slower uh, development compared to the UK and compared to France. And, and at that time, there were, there were just few as, um, asset management companies, sure. Intesa, uh, uh, São Paulo, and, and a few others. So basically, it was really we were like in, in a pioneering environment, so trying to develop things for the first time. So it was as simple as that. And if I've got I've got written mm. here, so one of the, mm. the aims of what you were doing at the time, if I've got this right, were to find quality managers, uncover idiosyncratic risk, and dispersion of returns. And again, that seems like something people should have fundamentally been doing. But was it a, a turning point? Was it an easy task to find people who met that? level of criteria but uh, it was uh, basically uh, in London I had the, the, the pleasure and the, the fortune to meet Anthony Bolton which at the time in the 90s was considered the Warren Buffett of uh, the European sure. uh, investors and so basically uh, that was my target <laughs> which was <laughs> quite uh, as you can imagine uh, um, uh, difficult to, to, to match uh, but uh, w once you, you know where the, the direction you are headed to, clearly the rest follows up uh, much easier than, than, than you, you would expect. And it seems like, I mean, a lot of those criteria that you were looking for and, and trying to meet, that's now quite commonplace. Do you think they're still quite key considerations today? Yeah, the problem is, as, as we all know in the last few years, uh, the division process has been uh, uh, sanitized. Been, uh, and, and, and that has taken away a little bit of uh, the, the, the beauty of the business. Uh, basically, the, the big issue today is that everybody is looking for alpha, and, uh, and as if alpha was something that uh, you're always going to find. Yeah. But we all know that uh, there are many situations where alpha is not there, and uh, if it is not there, simply there isn't. Yeah. While uh, you know, in, in large organization uh, with sanitized uh, due diligence process, you must find alpha. <laughs> do you think that pressure is greater than ever? Do you think people yes. are more stressed? Yeah, uh, more stress and uh, the, the sanitation, the, 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 
the due diligence process now uh, makes sure that basically it's, uh, it's uh, standardized and uh, people tend not to make any decision anymore uh, for many reasons, too many people involved. So we all know that investment processes were when decisions are made by too many people, by big committees, obviously no decision has ever been made. Uh, everybody tends to be more cautious and nobody is willing to risk uh, to, 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 be, to, to, to say something out of the chorus. Well, in our 2005 profile of you, we suggested that one of the reasons you'd got so far is that willingness to speak out. Do you think that's been lost to an extent? Uh, but I'm not blaming the people who are... Oh, it's more the framework, it's more the system. It's, it's more the framework, okay. because the framework doesn't help people to speak out. Uh, when you have committees where uh, the CEO, the CIO, the compliance, the risk, and how, you name it, how many people uh, participate in this meeting, obviously you are not allowed to make any mistakes or to speak out your mind. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I suppose you're constrained by the environment you work in to an extent. Absolutely. And one of the things that really has changed uh, uh, consistent in, in uh, has changed completely is the fact that uh, in our, especially in our culture, but in, in, uh, mistakes are not considered part of the job. And we all know that uh, you know this is not an exact science. And uh, if uh, you don't make the mistakes, uh, you don't. You're never gonna make uh, the right choice. <laughs> Did you make so? Looking at your career path, then are there, are there important mistakes that you made? Are there things that you trial and error efforts? Lots, to, okay. Lots of them. <laughs> lots of them. But hopefully, I learned much more from my mistakes than uh, my the situation where I thought you know I was uh, a genius. <laughs> looking at how multi management has evolved and because you're still involved, you're still doing fund selection within Italy, how different is it to the one that you first interacted with and first developed at Intesa San Paolo? Do you think it has changed or are the fundamentals the same? Uh, it has changed because uh, obviously the more rules have been implemented within organisation and within uh, the, uh, the environment. So with the MIFID, uh, with the MIFID obviously, uh, they're trying to make it more difficult to make it... Uh, <laughs> A people business, uh, obviously excesses we made. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. But obviously more rules uh, are not uh, friends for uh, a business that whose uh, foundation are made by you know relationship. And one of other key difference is that uh, after two thousand and nine, a lot of uh, ex investment bankers, Lehman Brothers. Mary Leach and all the others basically joined the sector and obviously transformed the sector yeah. uh, and uh, as you can imagine by my tone not in a nice way uh, they they focus on uh, uh, deal money uh, while asset management is more people relationship uh, sure. long-term uh, wait and see uh, situation but obviously now there's a mixture of... Well, that feeds into one of the questions that I have, because you, during your tenure, you've been through these multiple crises and these challenges. And so, like you said, 2008 led to a change in the industry. We've seen the Eurozone debt crisis, but you can go back further. There's the tech bubble. How much do you think they changed the course of the industry? I mean, they, they had knock-on effects for regulation, but did they also change the way that you thought about things? Did you have to reimagine what you were doing? Typically, when, uh, when you've got experience, 
you think you know you are wiser and you may you may be in a position to make a better decision but if you look at the last 10 years uh, with the uh, prolonged the QE uh, uh, program by the central banks uh, basically all the experienced uh, professionals uh, have done less well than the youngster because the, we have been uh, more cautious than the youngster and uh, in the last years. Do you think years, that'll iron out though? Do you think they will then have either a problem or that that those good returns will even off at some point? They'll hit a mean reversion of sorts. I think there's going to be some mean reversion, but the, the last ten years it proved to be like uh, to be cautious to be <coughs> has, has been proved to be wrong. Uh, sure. <laughs> and obviously, it's easy to say with hindsight. <coughs> Sorry, but uh, that that's. Uh, that's the, 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 the situation now. How do you see it progressing then? Because we, I mean, we're at a, a conference where innovation is the, the talk, and, um, and in one of the, the closed sessions, somebody said that there's too much innovation, that there's actually too much a focus on what's coming next and not enough on improving what we have. Do you think, I mean, there's two questions really. Do you think there's any merit in that, that there is perhaps too much a focus on being disruptive, being innovative, but how will multi management change? Because that's not going away. I agree that uh, too much innovation. I'm a kind of a traditional guy. I like uh, the old uh, long only <coughs> equity manager with uh, global focus. Uh, uh, but uh, I've been uh, intellectually challenged with the old alternative. And now, uh, obviously, we have all the new uh, private debt, private equity that I'm trying to enter the retail market. Sure. So clearly, it's been. Uh, very difficult because obviously uh, due diligence means also getting to know you know the, 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 all the different uh, particularity of uh, this uh, these asset classes that are not easy to uh, to, to, to understand. Sure. Uh, so uh, complexity has entered our industry, and complexity uh, can be an opportunity, but also <laughs> yeah, of course, but also risk. you have to yeah. also understand what you're doing Absolutely. and why and, it's and it takes time. Yeah. And it takes time, and probably we live uh, in uh, times where we, uh, they don't give us time. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we, which is kind of you know uh, counterintuitive counter because uh, and and it goes back to the fact that uh, we need uh, everybody needs results now. Sure. I I think uh, we we should uh, you know embrace. Uh, uh, new ideas uh, slowly with time uh, and uh, to have the time to digest uh, as life uh, is teaching us. So Over day. your career has that, that opportunity set become smaller? Do you think we have, we've gone from allowing, because there was a paper that came out last week about why no one would start a career in asset management now and they said one of the reasons is we are so short termists that no fund managers actually given the time to see their ideas through because <laughs> they're already being criticized after a quarter, after a month, after a week, if the market changes. Absolutely. I've seen so many managers to be right, but uh, not to have time <laughs> yeah. to prove that. <laughs> That's, uh, and, and so, the, one of the other things that I learned that uh, we need to try not to be uh, smart because there are very few people that are smart and even those people make mistakes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and they're proved that sometimes are proved wrong. But like you said, the mistakes can be beneficial if they learn from them and it improves the industry and you do something. But it does seem like the pressure 
is very much it's very binary from the outside it seems like you get it wrong you're finished you get it right absolutely you get to survive to the next stage absolutely and one of the other issue uh, that has been uh, talking about in the, in the UK but also in Italy it's about liquidity true so obviously retail market needs a daily liquidity but they're trying to push product uh, that uh, are clearly uh, inco- incompatible uh, with uh, this uh, liquidity system yeah really <laughs> was was liquidity a concern from the outset was it something you had to look at as much when you were starting or is it really just because of what we've seen with GAM with Woodford with um, other developments over the past year look in, uh, in my career I experienced uh, in 2007 uh, they, they closed uh, they, they put the gate on the fund that was invested in so it, it's something that has always been there uh, and uh, we need to pay attention to it is as simple as that. When uh, too many people try to exit in the small door, from a small door, obviously you have a problem. Sure. Uh, so we need to uh, invest in assets and use the right vehicle for those assets. Uh, and sometimes uh, we still make uh, these mistakes. To use the wrong vehicle for the right assets or vice versa. Sure. <laughs> Looking ahead then, so we are talking 20 years ahead, what do you think will be the major trends or challenges? We touched briefly upon AI, but do you think there's something else that will shape how the market develops? Obviously AI and the technology is already changing our our industry. A lot of uh, products, uh, uh, their engine, their performance come from uh, tech, uh, quantitative uh, uh, machine uh, engine let's say so we have uh, <coughs> we see markets behaving in a very strange uh, way because of that so uh, probably in the next few years we will have a better picture of uh, the consequences of all these Alessandro thank you very much thank Please. you for taking the time my pleasure good to catch up mm-hmm. we'll see you in uh, Genoa I guess uh, Genoa actually by the way could be nice if you could organize <laughs> <laughs> we'll see maybe well, that's where that, the future yeah, takes us yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah.